You're listening to episode seven of Mental the Podcast. I'm Sarah Norton. I'm standing in one of the best institutions in the Twin Cities. If you know me, you know where I am. The Minneapolis Institute of Art. The MIA, as it used to be called. When my daughter was a newborn and young girl, I would take her here at least every other week. It gave me a chance to get out and walk and stretch my mind under the kindly gaze of these art pieces. During that time, one piece in particular drew me, and I'm standing before it now. It's called Veiled Woman by Raffaello Monti, Italian, 1860. It's a bust sculpture of a veiled woman. From a distance, the veil appears to be a thin cloth covering this beautiful woman's face. But when you approach, you see that it's actually a trick of the sculpt and the light. There's no cloth involved. The veil is carved out of the plaster itself. So in a way, there's really no face beneath at all. Once you get over the amazing talent it must have taken to make this piece, you start to actually contemplate the meaning of the piece itself. Why is this woman veiled? Who is she? What does she look like? Does she look like anything at all? Is there anything to know about her beneath the veil? In some ways, I felt like the veiled woman as I went through postpartum depression. I felt like people didn't actually see me, but saw this veil over me. Sometimes I wondered if I was even a presence in front of people, if people could actually see me. I wondered also if the veil were lifted, who would be there? Would it still be my face there underneath? I know that a lot of moms my generation struggle with postpartum depression. I hear about it all the time. I also know that a lot of them get really good help from doctors and therapists. What I haven't known so much about is the experience of postpartum in my parents' generation. Did they experience it? Did they get help? Had they ever heard about it? I talked with an older priest friend, actually, and he said to me, I heard about postpartum depression for the first time in 1988 when it was mentioned in the movie Four Keeps. He told me the movie starred Molly Ringwald. He went on a tangent about her and her career, what other movies she was in. I wasn't even born in 1988. Then he told me, the second time I heard about postpartum depression 
was when you started your podcast. That's the context for why I was so excited when I got the chance to talk to the three women you will hear from today. Crystal, Vicky, and Bree. Crystal had her children starting in the late 90s, and she was able to speak into what she knew about postpartum depression at that time. Vicky had her children starting in the early 90s, and she shared her own experience of postpartum depression, how long it took for her to get a diagnosis, and the kind of help she received. Bree, my third guest, is Vicky's daughter and my friend, a mom herself, and she shared with me her experience as a daughter of a mom who struggled with postpartum depression. Between these guests, I got to see another side of the story that I hadn't yet really heard. So, first off, let's meet Crystal. Crystal is from Washington State. She and her husband are basically Andy and me. They like This American Life, Wes Anderson movies, interesting views, and nuanced conversations. Yeah, us. I had only met her super briefly, and she had not herself experienced postpartum depression, but her birth experience could have moved her that way, and she was so down to be part of the podcast that I just called her. She told me first about her awesome husband, who was there for her through all her births, and about how giving birth to her five children those experiences were pretty difficult. I asked her, what made her birth so difficult? Well, my first child, who is now 19 years old, was born after 27 hours of labor, an hour of pushing. Then it was an emergency (laughs) C-section. And it was because the umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck in such a way, with such little slack, if you will, that Mm -hmm. it was causing her heart rate to drop down to like 70 beats per minute. It was supposed to be Mm -hmm. about 140. So it was of great concern and they considered it an emergency. And so um, she was born via C-section and after she, right after she was born, what was so hard for me was that I was in a state of shock. My body was trembling and I was confused and I, I'd been through so much physical work that I, I didn't feel real joyful right away. Mm. I I almost felt more like you'd feel if you'd been in a car accident, Mm. you know, just, it was just all so difficult and painful and it it wasn't going right. Mm -hmm. And so I trembled and shook just from a sort of physiological standpoint, um, from all of the adrenaline and then the, and I, I trembled for four hours and, you know, time passes by so differently when you're in that state, but I didn't get to see my baby, Sophia, mm-hmm. until she was four hours old. So they were taken, her, she had a, she had a low APGAR score. So they did their thing and they cleaned her and I was trembling and they probably thought I couldn't really hold her. So eventually I said, where's my baby? I, I, you know, I want to hold my baby. And when they brought her to me, my trembling stopped immediately. I mean, instantaneously. And she was just the greatest. It was like she was giving me a gift and I loved it. Mm -hmm. And then the best thing, I mean, the real best thing was, 
you know, you're a first-time mom and the nurse comes in to show you how to help the baby latch. And it's mm-hmm. not instinctual. It's something the baby actually has to learn. Uh, and so my little baby, she just latched on immediately and she became this great nurser. And I said, that's a great gift and I'll take it all. <laughs> if you just yeah. be a good little nurser, I, I will be so happy. And it became, you know, as the hours and days went by, it became joyful, you know. But yeah. the first time was so, so hard. I thought it really stood out to me the two things were very front and center in Crystal's mind after birth. Her experience of birth and her ability to breastfeed. For Crystal, her experience with C-section was a tremendous difficulty for her, and her success with breastfeeding was a tremendous victory. I know for me with my first child, difficulty with breastfeeding directly correlated with struggles with postpartum mood control. Getting help with that practical piece basically smoothed away that challenge. And I know for several of the moms I've interviewed, their mood disorder centered in large part on their C-section. It's this that makes me think, at least based anecdotally, that some of the struggle for some women postpartum really can and should be addressed through practical helps and aids, focused on key points of bonding between mother and child, Next, I asked Crystal a question I really wanted to get an answer to from her. What was your perception of mental health when you first started having children in the late 90s? Did you know that postpartum depression existed at that time? Mm-hmm. Okay. I yeah. had heard the term postpartum depression, yeah. and I, I knew from hearing the women talk about it that I, I did not have it, Right. I knew that there were people who really didn't feel they never bonded or or they were very slow to bond with their baby because they felt so depressed and out of their minds that they thought it was going to be so instinctual that you just bond with your Mm -hmm. baby. And then they, they didn't experience that right away or it took a long time so one of them was a mom I met at a like a um a group for moms, kind of like a lactation group. Right. <laughs> I think <Yeah. laughs> and she described the feelings and I and I felt a lot of um compassion for her, but I knew that I I certainly didn't have that because I bonded mm-hmm. with my baby so immediately and I I didn't feel depression. I felt frustration because when you ha- you know I had the emergency C-section, this being the first baby, yeah. um, I was really in a lot of pain and, yeah. you know, physically and all that stuff. It was hard to recover, but I didn't, I really didn't feel it. Did I know about services and mental health um, opportunities? I don't think I knew what one would do if they mm. felt these symptoms. I presumed that they would talk to, say, their obstetrician when they went to their their visit, that yeah, six week visit that you visit your doctor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that maybe my doctor asked me if I was in need of some of those services, and I said no. And okay. that's about all I could say. It was interesting to hear what Crystal knew and did not know about postpartum depression at the time. 
When I interviewed Crystal and asked these questions some time ago, I thought maybe I would see a huge disparity between her generation and mine. But surprisingly, it wasn't that far off. And I'm not sure what that says about the trajectory of our postpartum depression awareness. About 20 years have passed, and I still talk to plenty of moms who really didn't know about postpartum before experiencing it, and as they tell it, did not receive much guidance when they did share their symptoms. In my own experience, my doctors were so on top of this, but it seems like there's so much more to do here. Granted, and given this situation especially, moms have to take ownership and seek out help and answers themselves. They can't just expect to be told everything. But I don't know. I would like to see moms and doctors both seeking greater awareness and reaching out to each other. My last question for Crystal was simply, what advice would you give to moms or what would you like to say to them? Well, I know if there was a way to say to them, ask for help, anticipate needing help, and ask for it when you're not desperate mm-hmm. so that you can not get to the point of sheer frustration. So let's say you have a baby and, you, you know, nobody really gets it. Like maybe the first person in your family to have a baby in many years. And so everybody just goes along and says, oh, you'll be fine. And they go to work and she has this baby and she comes home and she doesn't have anybody to help her take naps or to clean her house, or to cook, or let's say take care of, let's say it's not her first baby, take care of her older babies and toddlers. And I'd say ask for help ahead of time and, and know mm-hmm. that it's okay that you're not, I would say know that in most of the world, for most of human history, women have not done this alone. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Awesome. That's right. Yeah. I love that last point of Crystal's. It really resonates with some of the things Jenny Ubing talked about when I interviewed her. That women are not meant to do this alone. For all of history, they've had a network to fall back on. I know social media is blamed for a lot of issues with anxiety and depression. But I think the culprit there is when social media acts as a replacement for real human connection. We need real connections and a real network to help support us as moms. Anyway, that's a thought that could be further explored. But time to move on to our next guest, Vicky. As I mentioned earlier, Vicky is my friend Bree's mom. I met her through Bree, of course. She is extremely generous, and we actually stay at her home whenever traveling through Chicago. She would probably let you stay too if you just asked. When I told Bree about the podcast, she actually suggested I talk with her mom, who she knew had experienced postpartum depression. I was super interested in this not only to speak to Vicky and hear her story, but because she was having children in the early 90s. I had heard Crystal's experience from a few years later, but how was it for Vicky at that time? I called her up 
and I asked if we could schedule a phone interview. I actually asked her to if she could record it from her side in addition to my normal app recording I use. I decided to use that audio so you get a clearer sound from her. I want you to hear every facet of her beautiful Chicago accent. When we started the interview, she told me about her family, her husband, and her five kids. I asked her, when did you first experience postpartum depression? It wasn't until my fourth child that um, I came to the place where I needed treatment. Mm -hmm. So the first three... Yeah. I seem to be functioning okay, although I think that after my third one, I never really bounced back and from having a baby, and I was working really hard at um, trying to be okay, and, um, and I did make it through, but I think that the fourth really was just compounded onto the third. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, did you, um, how, how much space were in between your children? And specifically, I guess, like the third and the fourth, because you said you weren't really able to, like, yeah, you know, my bounce third, back from that one. Yeah, my third actually had a, um, um, a metabolic um, disorder. And so he was, um, there was a lot of worry that went into taking care of him. And, um, Probably not a lot of self-care at that point because I had a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a newborn. And then he required, wow. he required a lot of um, special um, uh, attention. He wasn't sickly, mm -hmm. but he had to have a special diet. And so um, I was very uh, sort of, I guess you could say, um, type A about his diet and everything and I think that that right. perfectionism put like mm -hmm. um, made everything feel heavier and so then after that child was about a little over two then I had my fourth child so I was functioning sort okay. of in this I would say not really a good healthy mental health wise place because I was with all of my from the beginning though I was really kind of a perfectionist and um, it's okay maybe after one <laughs> but as more children come you I mean I thought that that's where my value was coming you know was from trying to be a perfect mom not knowing that you know that I had value just because I was me and God made me and he loved me and that's what should have given my value, but um, it was a pattern that started when I was a young, you know, like a, I think even a young girl. And so it really took going through this experience and, and it was a long time because it was the layering of children that brought out to me that I was using my um, sort of my way of doing things perfectly to give myself value. And that was like, um, um, it was like I caved in and it, wouldn't, it didn't work yeah. anymore. So 
It had yeah. to go, and a new way of looking at life had to come. <laughs> I asked Vicky then, what happened next? So then I had my fourth. So then I had my fourth, and after he was born, like I would say within two or three months, so I had a six-year-old, a four-year-old, a two-year-old, a newborn, and I was having a hard time functioning. So like I was having a hard time getting through the day, and well, a lot of people would with children that close, but I didn't seem to have good coping skills, like for how to do it. I mean, I could do uh -huh. the, I could set up systems and tasks, and but not coping with the feelings, you know. And so I wound up getting, like the way that it presented itself for me, so uh -huh. postpartum depression presented itself to me in physical symptoms, like that I was feeling in my body. So my arms were tingly and I had dizziness and um, I felt weak sometimes. I think that was part of the anxiety that comes, you know, um, with it. And so I went to many doctors. I went from one doctor okay. to the next looking for why I had these physical symptoms and I was convinced that I had a terrible disease that I would die from and leave my children. I was worried about that I wouldn't be here to raise my children to be good and know God and be happy and, you know. So, right. so I went to 13 specialists. And, final, wow. and finally, an internist told me, I think you're depressed. <laughs> And I didn't even think of it, you know. I knew I was sad. I was crying a lot. But, um, and I knew that, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't go on. I remember the day when I um, called my friend and I said, I can't even put my socks on. I couldn't put my socks on. And um, so she said, you know what? You're done. We're going to go to a special doctor and then she brought me um, to a psychiatrist actually and so then after a little bit of misdiagnosis with that they finally got to postpartum depression diagnosis okay so then for my treatment I went on I went on some antidepressant but I only did it yeah. for like three months. I went into a day, um, a day treatment center, and I was mixed in with people right. with all kinds of mental illness. And there were oh, people wow. that were very, very sick. Like there were people yeah. that had bipolar, and there were people who had um, other sorts of schizophrenia and all kinds of different mental illness. And I felt like mine was little compared to theirs, <laughs> and but I worked it. Like I went to the every day. I would go and I'd go into the group and I'd get involved because I was highly motivated. I didn't want. I wanted to be back with my children full time because people were taking care of my children. So I wanted to get better fast. But the really great thing that came out of it was I got involved in psychotherapy, um, ongoing. So for 18 yeah. months, 18 months, I went every week. First, I would go two times a week, and then it would get stretched out to one time a week. 
And then, you know, I don't think it stayed every week, but it lasted for 18 months. And then I would um, learn, I unpacked lots of stuff from my, um, my upbringing, and I got to look at my life really clearly and see, you know, see the pieces of it and see why I felt I had to be so perfect and how that wasn't working and what, how I could sort of be a new me. And so mm-hmm. that was fantastic. Yeah. 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 I got to the point with that where, with the psychotherapy, where it was like, okay, what do you want to talk about today? And I would be, and I would say, I don't think there's anything I need to talk about. That's how it got at the end, because I would take what I was learning. Yeah, I would take what I was learning, and then I would try to think about it and pray about it and apply it, and I just felt myself getting better and better and feeling happier and happier. I thought it was amazing that she went to see 13 different specialists, trying to figure out what was wrong with her, and it took finally a woman doctor to identify the problem. I also thought it was really interesting how, for Vicky, yes, she took antidepressants for about three months, but it was the consistent counseling that helped her best. Twice weekly for a while. That's commitment. I also love how Vicky can speak from her perspective more than 20 years later and see how far she came through counseling, but how the struggle's never really over. She told me she still gets health anxiety. It manifests in the same way that her postpartum depression did. But she is aware of this. She faces it. She just continues to work through it when it rises up. Next, I asked Vicky, did you know any mom friends experiencing the same thing? No. At the time, because, okay. Yeah, so I didn't, I, now, this would have been in 1997, so it's 20 years ago, and, you know, um, there was definitely a stigma attached to lots of mental health issues, and I mean, when you think about it, how could it be that I was suffering from this really probably for a couple years, because after that third baby... And for two years, yeah. none of my loved ones or friends knew enough about mental illness that they could recognize what was going on mm-hmm. and and have the yeah. or and or have the courage to, you know, to bring it up. But I seriously don't think that people recognized it because, you know, yeah. no one ever said anything, and I didn't know. And even all those doctors that I went to, neurologists, you know, endocrinologists, many, many doctors, no one picked up on it until finally a woman doctor did. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. There was not, I didn't have any experience with it from other people or know about it. It was super interesting to hear Vicki's experience. She had to work so hard to even get this diagnosis. How she had to put in such hard work through counseling to seek healing so she could be present to her kids. How she still stays vigilant and works to maintain her mental health. All this got me really excited to see what it was like for Bree then, with Vicky as her mom. And first off, it is so courageous to have these two open up and tell their stories. Just stop and think about that. 
Have you ever heard of something like that? Brie is a young woman, a young mom. She's chill beyond belief, just super cool, extremely generous, like her mom. And she's a very close friend. I started off her interview by just asking, tell me about your mom. Hmm. Okay, well, my mom is kind of um, the... (laughs) She commands attention when she's in the room. So she's one of those people that um, if she enters, you know, a conversation, she automatically kind of takes charge in a good way. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I think most people that know her, love her. Um, And she's one of those people that she's super loyal. So when she's on your side, she's got your back and she, she, she always will be there. Um, uh, what does she love? Um, well, she loves music. She loves, um, just staying up late and chatting. Um, I think she loves her family the most. Um, and yeah, she just loves spending time with us and loves going to church and, She's a typical mom. She's awesome. I asked Brie, how did you come to know your mom was struggling with postpartum depression? Was it when you were a kid that you knew, or was it later in life? Uh, I think I didn't know, you know, what actually, what depression was or postpartum depression, but I knew something was wrong. Um, I think the first time I really realized was when I, I was in preschool, and, um, she forgot to pick me up Um, and I was just sitting at the table um, and the way they had dismissal was um, we'd all sit around a table and just be talking and hanging out and um, the teacher would come in and get you and bring you out to your mom in the car. It was kind of like a line and I just remember sitting there and the table, you know, the amount of people at the table kept getting smaller and smaller and then I started freaking out. And I um, actually put the backpack over my head and started crying because I didn't want anyone to know I was crying. But then my teacher yelled at me for having the backpack on my head. (laughs) Um, But then I think she felt bad when she realized I was crying. But um, so I think it was uh, then I knew something was wrong, but I didn't know exactly what it was because I was in preschool, so I was kind of young. I asked her, do you remember any symptoms she had that you thought were maybe different than what you were used to when you were that age? Well, she was the type of mom that was all in. I mean, she gave up her career to be home with us and, you know, raise all five of us. So Mm -hmm. she was not a blow-off mom at all. And I just remember um, during that time, you know, my aunts would have to bring me to school. Um, Just little things where normally, you know, it would be my mom, but it was my aunts, which... I didn't know what was going on at the time, but looking back, that's what it was. Um, so I don't think, she she didn't show any major things to me, but I think I did notice other people having to step in and help her in normal things, such as take me to school or, um, you know, just taking us out of the house for a little bit, probably to give my mom a little break. I asked her next, what did your mom do to get help? Or what were the steps she took from what you remember or from what she told you? Well, from, I don't remember, but I know from what she told me, she um, she definitely went to see a counselor. 
Um, so I think she did, she took medicine and went to a counselor. Um, so she did both of those things. And then she really relied on her sisters to help carry some of the weight with, you know, the kids. So um, actually, I remember at one point, my siblings, we all got split up at different aunts' houses, and we actually had to stay there for, I think, it, I'm not sure, but I know it was at least a month or longer. We had to live there for a little bit. Finally, I asked Bree, how do you feel like your faith and prayer life have been affected through your mom's struggle with mental illness? I think because mental illness can be a lifelong struggle, you know, it kind of goes through times when it's, you know, you're they're doing great and there's nothing wrong, but then they go through periods of time where they're struggling again. And um, I think just watching how my mom has dealt with it so gracefully, um, it, it's helped me a lot in many areas of my life, but um, just the fact that she's able to identify it when it's coming on and then right away she knows she's going to need to work on this again. Um, and I've seen her faith get deeper through everything um, just by, you know, having conversations with priests or, um, you know, she, through these times, she does rely on her faith a lot um, to help get through it. So seeing that has been a good example for me. You know, I can kind of use that as a model for if I'm going through something hard, you know, I can face it full on like she does and rely on all the people around me and my faith that just kind of helps everything um, be focused. And it's a great example for me. She just loves her mom so much. Throughout her interview, it was really hard for me. I was just trying to stifle my sniffles. Because again, I think about my three-year-old and what she is going to say about me. And I hope she can say something similar. And it's awesome to know that that's possible. I'm going to actually transition again back to Vicky, who brought up a couple more points as we were chatting after my questions had been asked. I think her comments are really insightful. There's, there's a piece to it, the very, very, at the very center of it, that has to do with my own mom. And so I'd just like to yeah. say a few words about that. I feel like there could be people yep. who, who's, whose moms maybe weren't there for them emotionally. And, uh, you know, they kind of put their chin up and they kind of keep going and they, they get through young adulthood and then they become a mom and and then they don't necessarily have that model from their own mom of how to be a mom and so for me that's what ha that that's very much what happened I didn't have my the 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 model of my own mom and so I didn't have confidence maybe to the natural confidence that comes, I think, when, when you've been mothered in a really strong and beautiful way, and then you can take that and just sort of, it just becomes natural, I think, to be a mom that way. And I did not, I didn't have that. And then I was very worried about how to be a mom and, you know, about doing everything right and, and that sort of thing, so... And I loved Vicky's final comment. 
my my experience of postpartum depression brought me to such a wonderful place because I may have never yeah. dealt with all of those issues of my upbringing and my distant mother, my emotionally distant mother. I might have never gotten yeah. to 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 examine those and to say, okay, this is a lack. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to be, um, I'm not going to hold on to it. I want to see it, name it, and put it behind me. I might have never had yeah. the chance to do that if I didn't have postpartum depression. Yeah. You know the saying, of course, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I submit that that's not always true. I submit that that is not always the case. I submit that it takes a choice, and it takes work and support, and even grace. What doesn't kill you can make you bitter, it can make you mean, it can make your life a living hell. For every Vicky who sees their struggle as a means to victory, there's another who does not. And I think each of us somewhere along our broken road meets a fork where we can choose if you're at the fork now, which path are you taking? What's the next chapter in your story? There's just one more chapter in this story, and that's next time on Mental.